What's going on? It's another episode of Dad Zombie. This my it's your boy Ken and my co-host Bell with the beard. Bringing you another episode of Dad Zombies today. We have a special guest, Mr. Tavarius Drake. Yeah, y'all wanted some guests, and here we are. We got them for you, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into uh, our day today's topic, make sure y'all go follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Follow, share, and subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and Twitter. You know, we trying to get our, our, our uh, followers Yo, up and get the message out there. Have you seen that we actually have 4.5 stars on uh, Apple Podcasts? Yeah, yeah. I, I hey, shout that. out to whoever gave us that three. Box me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I said, we got a uh, special guest today. Uh, my my brother, one of my brothers, and Tavarius Drake. How you doing today? Oh man, excellent, excellent. Appreciate y'all uh, inviting me on. Hey, hey man, you know you making history. You are the first guest we have ever had on the Dad Zombie podcast. So you are in the history books for sure, Mister Drake. Man, look at that. Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and the reason that we wanted to bring you on, because like I, I told you off screen, that uh, you basically have a different perspective of what's going on today. Uh, we had an episode, was it last week or the week before? It was, it was basically talking about being a black man. And just so happened, you know, being a black man is, that's, that's part of the news. You know, you, you can be a criminal for the color of your skin. And uh, you are actually ex-law enforcement a previous active duty and now active duty National Guard. And not only are you, because uh, me, you know, I'm I'm service member too, but when I see somebody of your rank, that's like, they give somebody of my, my caliber hope, you know, because especially when you see somebody as, as, well, you're a chief warrant officer too. Yes, sir. I, like, I don't know what that means, because I'm, you know, I'm a civilian, but... Nigga, you sound highly decorated. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been around. I've been around for uh for quite some time. Where, where where have you traveled to? Oh wow, man. Um, you know, so you know, I started my my military career off on active duty. I was stationed in Oklahoma. Uh, served a couple tours in Iraq. Um, you know, been through Germany, mm -hmm. uh, Turkey, um. And you know, really, mainly, you know, through throughout the United States, um, other than those those other countries. Are you uh, married? Yes, I am married. Uh, two beautiful stepdaughters, a son that just graduated high school, and a two year old. Oh, so you dad zombie for real, for real? Yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> Times <I was> four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight up, straight yeah. up. Um, so we want to talk about uh the you know we I'm in Houston. We got the riots and the looting, and you and all. They so out how, how, uh, I thought they was chilling it, out it here. It kind of shut it down. They kind of shut it down quick. So how, <laughs> how's, how's the climate out there? Man, you know, the climate is similar, uh, you know, across the country. Uh, you know, what I what I saw out here in Austin was the fact that, and you know, the Austin community makes up the majority of uh, you know our European American brothers and sisters. Um, and they were out there in full force, um, you know, marching alongside uh, with us with the protest, um, you know, being tear gassed and, you know, going through everything that, uh, you know, that we going through, they was right there with us. Uh, so, you know, the first night, um, you know, it was a little bit, uh, you know, some civil unrest. They got a little rowdy. I think they burned the car. 
you know, in front of the police station. Mm. Um, but other than that, it's been pretty peaceful. Oh, okay, yeah. Down here, we, we got a different set of law enforcement down here. Um, that we have our racist cops, but at the same time, we also have... Um, we got our cops from Sunnyside. Yeah, because we, yeah. we got cops that say, hey, man, I, I seen a video of one of them. He said, man, meet me at Carol's after I get off. I seen that. I seen and that. If, and, and, and for our listeners who don't know what Carol's, Carol's is. nigga. That's the that scene. Is, yeah, that, that is that. a club on between Tuesday and Sunday nights. Look, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's, it's popping at Carol's. That's from the young to the old. You know that. You know I've never been to Carol's. I, yeah. I have. I have. <laughs> I know you, you from Houston. Of course you have, nigga. Yeah. So let's get into our quick draw. I quick draw today. Oh, yeah. So check it out. Check it out. Check it out. So this is a quick draw I got for you. And we've asked this question before, but because you're highly decorated, I am really curious on what you would say to this. Me and Ken actually had the same answer, but I want to see what you're going to say. So if you was a gladiator warrior and you had to choose an unconventional weapon, meaning that you couldn't have a gun or a knife, but you, it can be very unconventional, what weapon would you choose and why? Mm, man. Um, can you slingshot? I already threw that one out there. Yeah, can you slingshot? You can find that in the academy. Nothing you can find in the academy. Nothing you can find at the academy. So, yeah. you know, so I, so I couldn't whip out a baton then, huh? Mm, nope. Mm. <laughs> man, you know, uh, I mean, I think you I think you start with with what you was born with, you know, the bare knuckles. Real oh, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> bare knuckles. Yeah, we both said, I said battery acid. We said acid. <laughs> I said acid in the spray bottle. <laughs> yeah, I said acid in the water gun. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's yeah. what we came up with, man. Appreciate yeah. it. What's up? It's Ken. Is your beard dried out? Not growing in certain places if you have unfilled gaps? Well, look, we have the perfect product to solve all your beard problems. Barren Beard. With two to three applications a day, your beard will grow and be flourishing in no time. I promise you, your woman will appreciate it. And if you don't have one, it won't be hard to find one. With ingredients like hemp oil, grapeseed oil, vitamins, and alchemy, not only will your beard be soft and shiny, but healthy as well. Five to ten drops per application, you will have the best beard around, guaranteed. Go get your essential oils today at www.barrenbeard.club and also follow on all social platforms at Baron Beard. Hurry up, it's never too late to save your beard. Yeah, but let's get into the topic today. Uh, uh, basically the climate of what's going on. So your, your history and your current job right now, what actually... And my question to any law enforcement officer, what is your, what encourage you to take that position? Like what encourage you to become a police officer? Because yeah, you know, that's a dangerous job. And y'all like yeah. the NBA, like it's a small group. Like people be thinking like, it's a lot of cops, bro. No, it's like, I mean, they have their different precincts based off of the counties and stuff. But I mean, you're looking at what, like maybe 800 a county? How much? I mean, maybe Houston a little bit bigger. I'm from yeah, I mean, it, so it, it really depends on the on the, of course the county the municipality uh, when it comes to law enforcement of course you know the dollars um, but uh, you know to answer your question you know when I got out of active duty um, you know of course I was searching for something to do and I wanted to continue to you know serve man and, and you know uh, we might talk about this later but I believe part of the solution 
is more more men, you know, like ourselves, you know, black men joining the uh, joining law enforcement, right? Because especially if we if we're patrolling in black communities, we understand, you know, the plight. Um, you know, so you know, with my military background, I thought law enforcement would be the you know the perfect next career uh, for me to get into. Did, you, did anything in like your childhood just kind of just be like, I want to do that shit? Shit, not at all, not at all, man. I'm gonna tell you right now, like, I I had I, up until my junior year of high school, I never thought about joining the military, and I definitely was not thinking about becoming a police officer. You know, uh, you, we, we we know how police are police officers are in our in our communities. You know, so I grew up where you know my uncles you know would tell me like, hey, you know, don't trust the police. You know what I'm saying? So I grew up with that mindset. Um, but, you know, as I got older, um, you know, my mindset began to change when, when it comes to law enforcement. You know, um, you know, when I tell people, you know, like like T. Drake, like I'm the same person in and out of the uniform. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, just because I was wearing a blue uniform doesn't mean I, I changed. You know, I still got a family. You know, I still like the same stuff that you like. You know, um, so you know there was there was no change when when it comes to people in law enforcement. You know, half of them want to retire and, and, and smoke weed as well. You know, so yeah. <laughs> now, now before we get into like the nitty gritty, let me ask you something on a positive note. In, in your career in law enforcement, like what was one of the most touching moments that you've seen? Like a situation that you kind of resolved, or maybe you seen something happen, but like, what was like something positive? I know we talk about like a lot of negative stuff that police are doing, but like, what's something that maybe impacted you or maybe, you know, like shed a tear? Man, so, uh, man, that's a good question, man. So, you know, when I was, uh, when I was going through my field training, um, of course, when you're going through your field training, you're, you're riding with a, uh, a senior officer and, you know, they're just kind of observing you. But, uh, you know, there was one particular evening uh, that we were, um, we were at a Mexican restaurant and uh, the owner came to us and he was like, hey, you know, we got these three kids, uh, you know, they can't pay for their meal basically, um, you know, so, you know, we pulled them outside, we talked to the kids and it was three black kids, you know, probably around the ages, between the ages of, you know, 10 to 13. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, my, my field training officer, he was actually scolding these young, these young kids, man. And I was sitting there, what I saw was three hungry kids, right? So what they did was they went to the Mexican restaurant um, and they ordered chips and salsa with queso, right? So they was thinking that, you know, usually you go to a Mexican restaurant, they bring out the chips, the salsa, you know, they thought they thought it was free, but they added queso to it. And of course you got to pay for that queso, right? Um, so they couldn't pay for, they couldn't pay for the bill, um, you know? So, you know, after, after my field training officer kind of scolded them, I was like, hey, you know, um, I'll pay for their meal, right? Because what I saw, and this is why I think it's important for more black men to become police officers, I didn't see three criminals, I didn't see three, three thieves, you know, going to the, to the Mexican route to steal some food. I saw three young boys that was hungry. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I've been hungry before, you know, in, in my youth. Um, so, you know, that, that, was, that was a moment for me, you know, where I felt good about, you know, being able to, you know, help these young men, you know, um, you know, at, at, at that time. So Yeah. And you so, know what, I, before you, like, you said that you was like, this is like your rookie days. Like, this is a, like, to, and I would say that shit is ballsy and I fuck with it. Um, and that, that's when you really have to separate, I mean, your, your, your skin color, I don't say your nationality versus your job, because I feel like a lot of times is that people will let shit slide just because of like, they feel like they're in a certain position. 
And I mean, you being new to the field and going on, you know, route with your field officer and stuff, and for you to just kind of interject and be like, you know what, I got it because you see a different perspective. That's that shit we need. That's the yeah, shit. Yeah, because we we definitely for. seen that in the in the video of George Floyd. We was three bystanding lawmen, and they, you know, they seen what was going on, and it was just like I don't know if he was over them and had more rank than them, or you know what it was, but. It, with officers like you, that that whole situation wouldn't have happened. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I've, I've seen video of people putting that same knee down and another officer correcting them, which is nothing wrong with correcting them in the action of it. You know, as long as you're just not trying to just go full on war with them. You get what I'm saying? Like within reason. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's just like being in the military, man, where, you know, you might have to pull your buddy to the side, man. Like, hey, that's, that's, that's not right. You know, um, and, you know, that's what we need for more law enforcement officers out there. Because, you know, just like in the, you know, in the hood where there's, you know, no snitching or whatever. And, you know, it's really a blue coat of silence in the in law enforcement as well. Yeah. You know, and we protect our own. I want to get on that. I want to get on that. So with the blue coat of silence, I know it's similar. It might be similar to the military. It might be similar. But how can the public hold the blue code of silence accountable for their own actions like the blue side yeah. because it, it, at some point and i feel like right now it's on a breaking point of almost a race war where it's black versus blue and not all blue because like you said people like yourself going to law enforcement to be a better law enforcement agent to, to better the community and then you have your other law enforcement agencies that just make it bad for the rest of the crew so how can the public hold the blue side accountable for their own action besides protesting and, and rioting? Because it seemed like that's really the only way we got justice in this in this past instance with George Floyd. Yeah, I think it uh of course it starts with the you know, with the protest. Um, but you know, the power that we the people have is is the voting power, right? So, you know, the, the police chief answers to the mayor. You know, um, so hey, we need to be at the at, at the mayor's office um, and, and saying, hey, you need to hold you need to hold the police chief and his and his officers accountable, you know, for their actions. Um, and I believe that's the way you know, saying you're gonna see change. And, and it's also like like I believe that there are bad apples within law enforcement. I don't believe that every every police officer is a bad police officer, right? I, I just told y'all I was I was law enforcement. Um, I got plenty of brothers. One of one of my best friends is a lieutenant. Um, at one of the police officers out here in the local city, um, you know, uh, but it, it takes really us policing our own, you know, just like in the military, like, hey, again, like, hey, that wasn't right. Um, and, you know, I think that's when we're going to be able to create some, create some change. And, and it starts with the screening process as well. We got to start screening these guys out that, uh, you know, may, uh, may have a hood you know, in the in the closet. <laughs> you know. Oh, let me put this back in my But I think bag. I think the problem with that is you know, it's not going about what you know, it's who you know sometimes. And then when you had the people in power that like I like you just said, had that hood on, it's like I'm gonna look I'm gonna look out for you. You know, that's yeah. that's that's the problem. And, yeah. and uh, but that's in every industry, bro. That's in Hollywood. They be looking out for pedophiles, that's in uh, in sports, you look out for your bro that's doing steroids. Like, bro, that's a, like we just had this innate, you know, once you're a part of an organization, like you, you stick to the rules. But I would say, like, when you talk about accountability, 
I think is what scares me is that we really just started implementing cameras within the past 10 years. 10 years, yeah. Yeah. So at that point, it's like the only reason, the only reason why we're able to hold a lot of these officers and not just officers, but situations in the world accountable is because somebody has recorded it. But taking law enforcement into consideration, what goes on when nobody, when the camera's not on? Like when you don't have nobody up there recording George Floyd and shit like that is going on on a daily. And all they do is just, it just processes. Because if that process, how, if nobody was around and they still did that same exact thing, they was going to rule George Floyd's death out as pre-existing um, conditions. Yeah, because the autopsy, the family actually had to do a, a second autopsy and seeing that it was straight to the neck. You get what I'm saying? Because, of course, inside that they were saying, okay, he was drunk, he had pre-existing health conditions, which is all possible possibilities of being true. But it's like, I'm pretty sure I would have some health conditions if somebody was on my neck for, for nine minutes. Yeah. And that was a video, I don't know if you guys watched it, but I couldn't even watch it. Like, I literally probably watched only about two minutes of it. And when I watched it, he was still alive. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I watched the video. I watched all nine minutes of it, and of course, you know, I was I was upset. You know, first as a, as a as a man, as a black man, you know, seeing the the disregard that these officers have for that man's life. Um, you know, I'm not. I don't know what the policy, the use of force policies are, in, you know, in Minneapolis, um, you know, but uh, you know, here, you know, in Texas. You know, I, I wasn't trained to actually, you know, use the knee and the neck. Um, I was trained to actually put the knee, uh, you know, on the back between the, the shoulder back. blades. Yeah. Um, you know, in that area. Um, so, you know, putting the knee in the, in the neck and then yeah, after you was... restrain this man. And then, you know, there's a such thing as, so you're, so you're, you have a lot of discretion as, as, as a law enforcement officer, mm -hmm. right? Um, a lot of discretion. You, I mean, you out there in the streets, your own, um, you know, um, I lost my train, of, my train of thought right there. But you have to be able to de-escalate force, right? So we we're, we're authorized we're authorized to use greater force than than you know the person that we we encounter, right? Um, but you have to actually know how to de-escalate force as well once you've physically apprehended this person, you know, and then not continue to to place that pressure that we've seen. You know, that that's that's when it becomes abuse. Mm. Yeah, you got to be able to. I think that's where the human part comes in at. You know, because like you said, as a man, that made you upset watching the video. And as a man, that made me upset because I'm looking like, as a human being, you should be able to see that this person cannot breathe. You know, and, and to take your badge into basically saying that, okay, I can do whatever the hell I want to do, no matter who's watching. Because, he, you know, it's like disregard to the public. And that's a message in that police force to the public saying we don't mm -hmm. care if you watching us mm -hmm. we'll put our hand in our pocket and keep going fuck you mean <laughs> yeah. but you Man. know what and, and i'll tell you this on the other side of things it's like i take situations like this and i try to picture it in other other cities like what would this have been like if this was like in a in a houston um and i and i'll tell you this when it and a lot and i think a lot of reasons why people are the reaction is to, for one, like burn down shit is because you take a city like Minnesota, them black people out there and them people out there ain't never seen nothing like this before. 
like we in the south like this is and not and it's sad to say like this is everyday type shit but these like we're used to like they're in full-fledged uh hood mode out here like it's a it's a lot more of them out here like if you go to Vider, like even when i go to louisiana and stuff like there's certain cities i will not stop in I don't, I don't, I'm not stopping for gas. I don't want to pop no tire around here. Like, I'm just going to keep rolling, whatever I can. I'm not driving through that at nighttime if I can avoid it. But that's just because of the stigma that I've learned to stay away from. Um, so I say that to say is that if this had been in another city, and let's say, I mean, I know he's from Houston, so it might, they might have turned up a little bit. But what would the reaction had been? Because I can, I, if this had been in like Idaho, I don't think they'd have burned the city down. Like if this had been, and I'm surprised they did in Minneapolis. Now it's Minnesota. Honestly, man. Minneapolis, I don't know if you remember Sean Reed, the one that we had did. Uh, he had the Facebook the one that live. was shooting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that happened in there. So it some kind of way, <clears throat> Minneapolis. It sounds like they got a racist police force up there, mm. and uh, that's this not the the first story or the second story because i've seen many i just don't want to but is it no is it the right force now. my thing is is it the force or is it that we continue to have bad seeds that i mean in all of these branches like you might have it in louisiana you'll have it in texas you'll have it in new york like especially new york oh my gosh i don't even talk about new york uh <laughs> but that there was a movie like a gang movie about them like i don't know what it was called i wanted to see it though it was like something about like New York cops and it was like like how it started or something. I don't know. Not gangs it, in New York. I don't think it's gangs in New York. No, nah, I, I forget what it is. Uh I'm gonna try and find it, but it, it looked like a dope movie because it talks about the starting of the police force and you you know in New York and everything, but they really like you think Texas blue lives like they stick together? Boy, in New York, oh nigga, yeah. you can take a blood oath to get in that hole. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh you know, I, I want to tell the story, man, about, <laughs> so I was going through my, uh, you know, when I was trying to become a police officer and I was going through the interview board and, uh, you know, there was a panel about, uh, I want to say about three or four officers, um, you know, that were asking me scenario-based questions, you know, uh, to see if I was going to be a fit, uh, you know, for the, for the department. And uh, there was a specific question about how would I react, um, you know, if I saw my a uh, field train officer smack a, uh, you know, a guy that we just arrested, you know, uh, you know, so my response was, uh, you know, I, pr I probably wouldn't say anything, you know, mm -hmm. um, and then he was like, well, you know, what if you see him do it multiple times? And I said, you know, I told him, like, hey, it, it may take him to do it multiple times for me to say, say something, right? Um, so then he went on and he kind of scolded me, he was like, what about IA getting involved and now you've lost your job because you didn't say anything about this officer, right? You know, and he was grilling me hard, you know. Uh, so I left the interview like, ah, oh, damn, I messed that up, you know. Um, but that same officer that was grilling me hard when I left the interview and I, I got in the hallway, he walked out and, you know, pretty much gave me a five and I was, and was like, yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> you know, he was like, he was like, you don't, you don't, you don't say anything about your, you know, about your brothers or whatever. You know, we protect our own. Mm -hmm. So that there it is. And that, and that's crazy. You had to play that part to get to position, and like you said, after a certain amount of times, you was gonna say something. And right. that got me back to I don't know if y'all seen the movie uh, Glass Shield. Uh huh. Uh, uh Glass Shield was with Ice Cube, and I can't think of the other long uh 
officer. He was an actor. But anyway, basically. It's an old movie or new one? Uh, it's like in the 90s. So basically, uh, you know, the LAPD Sheriff's Department is notoriously known for being racist. So he was one of the only black people on the force. So he got scolded for being black one, being with the racist officer and calling him out. Have you ever actually physically been in a situation where you just had to, you just, you kind of report it back to your high command because that situation just went too far? No, I haven't. I personally haven't been through, uh, through any situations like that. Um, you know, the guys that I work with, guys and gals that I work with, um, I thought they were a pretty uh, good group. Um, you know, I, I think several of them, of course, had their stereotypes, you know, uh, maybe some closet bigotry or whatever. Um, you know, I, I remember being in the academy, and these guys are currently in the streets today. But, you know, a lot of these guys talked about – because we, we went through a, uh, a certain block of instruction where we talked about cultural differences um, while, while in the academy. And, uh, man, several of them, uh, you know – classmates that was currently police officers today, you know, they was, they were saying how they were raised, you know, niggas there, you know, over here. These guys is currently law enforcement today, yeah. you know? So it's almost as they kind of look like, you know, look at like, hey, well, well, not you, you know what I mean? You're, you're different type of mentality. Um, but that was, that was for me hard to hear, um, you know, that day that I'm, I'm in the academy with these guys and, and they grew up feeling that way. Yeah, no, that's, that shit. That's definitely, that's <laughs> what a stem of the problem is. You know, because but, if you're in an academy and they already saying it, it's like, who could you go to and tell? And be like, look, I'm not trying to be a snitch or nothing, but at the same time, like, I don't feel like he he's a, a good fit because I've heard from other law enforcement that black communities are basically training fields. They, they send the people who just got out the, out the academy into the hood mm -hmm. because, you know, you ask your Asian officers, what language do you speak? They say Mandarin. What language do your Hispanic officers speak? They speak Spanish. So they go patrol the Hispanic. But black and white officers speak the same mm -hmm. English language. Mm. So it's like, how can we get officers that look like us that actually aren't just straight out the academy because... You know, and I know when you first come out of basic training or AIT, it's like you going off of the 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 book. You kind of going off of what you was trained to do, rather than, like you said, going off of your discretion. So how can we basically get our people to look like us, patrol us? Mm. Man, um, question. You got another question? Bear? No, I said that was a hell of oh, a question. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, I think uh man, I really I, I think it starts it starts with uh so let me, let me go back, right? I, I'm from I'm from Michigan. Uh you know, and, and even though I never thought about becoming a police officer growing up as a kid, I grew up in the Pal League, the you know, the uh police athletic league where you know where they were within they were in the community. Yeah. Um with you know, they had football teams, basketball teams or whatever. You know, so, you know, we were interacting with law enforcement um, through our youth. Uh, so I really think that it starts with with us, again, becoming police officers and then actually going into the community, you know, and knowing Ken, knowing Bear, knowing his family, knowing knowing your family. You know what I'm saying? So our youth see that 
you know, and then now we, we create more young men and women who, uh, you know, don't think that, you know, becoming a police officer is, is a bad thing, right? Because we obviously care about our community. That's why we're having this conversation because we care about our community. Um, so it's really, it takes us to, to become law enforcement and police up our, our community ourselves. If, if we want change, you know, that's, that's something we got to do. No, that's that's real, and I, and I was just thinking just now. I was like, and me just, I mean, I'm in advertising. I was like, I definitely should reach out to the Houston uh, PD and see about doing some type of advertising efforts because it's there's a message that's not out there, and the message needs to be clear and concise. Like your childhood and your upbringing, and y'all y'all having that league that was like sponsored by police and stuff, bro. That shit is dope. Like that shit is dope because not only, and I was thinking about back in high school the kids that was getting in the most trouble, the cops knew them and their family the most. Yeah. So the, the school cop, whatever, they, they, like, you know, you know Smokey, like, you know that nigga, like, you know all about him. He, he, him grad, he ain't graduating like two, three years, but like, you know about him. And like, I, I feel like it wasn't more so them trying to, you know, like if they got in trouble, yeah, you gotta get in their shit. But at the same time, they wasn't taking it overboard. You can still address them um, as a man and I think a lot of time is that because these, I guess these white boys are growing up with the misconceptions um, and what they start them out, they start them out in these black neighborhoods, right? So you're already fresh, you're fresh to the squad, you go into these black neighborhoods and you only, on the only thing that you've seen in your whole life about black people was on television, on social media and on movies. So that's all that you know. So the, the, when you look on the news, the, how we're depicted and how we're described, that's the only type of black person that they see. They don't show our excellence. They don't show our HBCUs. They don't show, they only show us in sports and they show us in as actors. Other than that, we fucking drug dealers, rapists, and killers. That's it. All they do is show us in jail all the fucking time. But the reason because of that, that's their perception is based off of that. And I've lived in China. So I know like the perception of somebody taking the, the media view. And this is what media has to do a better job um, because you continue to put out this jargon about our people. And then you look all surprised when you, that's the result. Like that is the result is that they've, they've talked about us for so long in the media. And now you have these white cops that are growing up and they have this perception. So when they see somebody like a George Floyd, who is what, like six, six, five, Six five two fifty. Yeah, like six, six two six. He, he's a big dude. I know oh, Big Floyd. Big I heard of Big Floyd. Like that. That's from my same neighborhood. You know that's what I'm saying. saying? Bro, I even didn't know me. him personally, but it's like that hit me, and like my whole neighborhood is is in an uproar. You know what I'm saying? Because that was somebody that meant something to to the neighborhood. Oh yeah, and and I already know, bro. Me as a black man, I'm like you. Just like. Like you see a nigga that's big, like oh goddamn the nigga big. Like you're not like intimidated, but you just you just see like damn the nigga big. But imagine like you being a, a whatever like those cops there, they see him, they like oh goddamn Mr. Big Fish. This this is what we've been yeah. waiting for, Johnson. <laughs> yeah, they they take him as an immediate threat. They look at him like a gladiator. Like you, yeah. you gotta basically fend for your life. Like man. But we he shouldn't don't have nothing over you but strength. But if you got somebody apprehended and on the ground, like it's, it's, it's you know, all you got to do is just do your job at that point. That, that, yeah, that's damn, really what they punched the nigga in the back seat and everything else. I was like, okay, 
I'm just literally why and I watched the whole uh the whole video eight minutes or whatever it was. Um and I didn't watch it the first time. Like you said, I only watched the first two minutes. Like the first time I was like, I ain't doing this. Uh and I was like, you know what, I gotta see it. And just seeing like the life leave from dude body son, that shit hurt. Yeah. That that I shit think that's hurt. why I couldn't finish watching it. And did, like when I looked up at one. his expression, like I looked up at all the officers that you can see expression, bro, no remorse. No, and this is why they talk about like you ask about like how like they have no, you know, hum, humanity. Like what is humanity? Human a T. Man of color. You talk about what is a human as a man of color. So what does that make them? Is are they just mankind? You yeah. see what I'm saying? So, like, when you talk about why they don't have that type of... Think about their slavery and think about our slavery. Like, we already talked that we had them enslaved long before they had us yeah. enslaved. But and you look, they were indentured servants. That's what I'm saying. Ours was, ours was more on the fact of indentured servitude. Theirs was on the fact of castrating, raping, mutilation, um, hanging, lynching. Most of the shit they still doing today, dog. So, it's like, if you already know the type of person that you're dealing with, at what point are we as black people going to say, you know what, gloves the fuck off, nigga, let's get it? Like, is that is that wrong for us to even want that type of that that type of fight? Because you're you can't keep fighting them with a protest. We can't keep going to church praying because you see these motherfuckers can go they can go during a COVID pandemic to a Capitol building with ARs and nothing happens to them. We go outside with signs with our kids. They don't give a fuck. They kicking in niggas in their chest like Spartans. Bro, I seen some crazy shit doing this riot stuff. Like they pepper spraying people, yeah. but that's because it's fear, bro. They're not, bro. They the mis the conception that they have of white people and the conception that they have of us is the only reason why they react different. And I can tell you this: a gun in my fucking hand is gonna give me a whole lot of different type of reaction than me walking with a damn sign. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, yeah. man, what, what I will say as well is definitely more black folk need to go out and get their license to carry, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, uh, you know, we seen we seen prior to, to the to the riots or to the, the protest, you know, when when, you know, folks were going out to these capitals with the AR-15s or whatever, you know, imagine us doing the same thing, you know, um, in full force. Now, we probably get a totally different reaction yeah. than what we saw in the media uh, happen happen with them. And that was in your home state. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, they was, man, they was, they was going crazy in, in, in Michigan, you know, uh, where I'm from, you know. Um, and, uh, but no, that, that definitely needs to happen. I'm, I'm definitely an advocate of the, of the Second Amendment and for everybody to go out there, you know, and bear arms. Um, but, you know, I, don't, I personally don't think the violence is the answer. Um, and, you know, when you, when you look at, at history, um, Everything changed at the political level, you know, uh, you know, so, and, and it starts, you know, we, we, we still, what, what, 15% of, of, of the country, you know That's what I'm saying, of the population? Yeah, we, yeah, so, we so yeah, so we can't go out and say, oh, shit, well, we about to get ready, we about to, we about to fight it out, you know what I mean? Uh, so you, you go back to, you know, the, the slavery days or whatever, what, what brought us out there was our white brothers and sisters with us, along with us. You know, um, and and our black leaders saying, "Hey, this shit got to change," um, and, and and it changed at the at the at the political level. Um, that's what changed. And then you go to you know Jim Crow days, 
in the civil rights days or whatever, what happened there? You know, Martin Luther King was out there, um, you know, marching and protesting, but the change happened with him meeting the president, you know, um, at, at that level. And, and again, white brothers and sisters was marching along with us, you know. Uh, so I think they have to be a part of our, our solution as well because we can't do the shit ourselves. So let me let me tell you this, is that I, I seen a quick post recently and it was like after, um, and I, it could have been the wrong post, but it was like MLK after his assassination, like the they went on riots for like nine days and it was like some bill, I forget what bill it was. I'm gonna have to go look it back up, but it was like a bill, whatever was passed, you know, for like some type of progression. Um, but and I and I and I do agree that violence would not always be the answers, but there's definitely um cases like you think about the Haitian rebellion, like slaves literally freeing themselves um from slavery. And I mean, they literally took freedom back from themselves and had like took over the island and have had the island ever since. Um, so, I mean, and then you think about the, um, I mean, the colonizers that came here, they came here as fucking slaves from Britain. So they, they came here running from Britain, started their colonies up here and then had a war with Britain again. So it's like, at some point, Yes, on the political side of things, but you got to show you willing to fight for whatever the fuck it is. Because if we, if you, if we continue to go out there and protest, and then we go back twerking, we go back just bullshitting, we go back, you know, yeah. go back doing whatever the fuck we doing. Like, and I, and I always say twerking, and I'm the feminist on the show, but at the same time, it's like you mean that nigga shit, that, nigga, that nigga shit, nigga bro. Shit. Like, go back to that that dumbass shit, bro. They're not gonna take us serious. But if we draw blood. It's a different story. Yeah. And I kind of grew up like you. Uh, I, I play Little League football. Majority of my Little League coaches, head coaches, were in law enforcement. But I think the disconnect was we didn't have – they didn't bring none of their white counterparts. So when me and my old teammates would get older and run into the police – because I, I ran into some of my old coaches on, on the police force, you know, just by being getting pulled over and stuff like that. But we didn't have that interaction with the white police officers. So we had a whole different mindset of like, okay, our police officers ain't bad. But then you we get pulled over in our neighborhood, we getting pulled over by these white law men. And they treating us a whole different way. But we thinking in the back of our mind, okay, my, my police officer, my, my head coach, was a police officer. He, I can't tell you what rank, you know, he was up there. But then my assistant, his assistant coach was a street dude. Like, I'm talking about, like, hardcore, you know what I'm saying? But they out there for the kids. So when you see police and quote-unquote criminals working hand-in-hand, hand, and you grow up thinking that, you know, you're like, okay, it's something behind that story. So what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is they never really taught us how to interact with the police. So... Did they ever teach y'all how to interact with the police in those uh, police programs? Or what you said, the police? Uh, Power League, Power League, yeah, Police yeah. Athletic League. Uh, actually, actually, no. I mean, they really didn't. They really didn't teach that. Um, it, it really just brought us together, and, and you know, of course, had conversations with each other. Uh, so we we formed trust, you know, mm -hmm. um, by having police presence there. You know, they slapping fives with you after you, you know what I'm saying, you scored a goal or whatever, uh, you know. So you wasn't really, you know, afraid of them if you if you saw them on the streets or whatever, or they wasn't really afraid of you. 
you know, because they saw you come through their come through their league, and you know, um, they say, okay, yeah, that's 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 Drake right there. You know, I remember him when he played this league or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but uh, you know, there's some programs that's out there, you know, where where you can not, you can interact with the police police. And what I will say too, man, is anybody can go out right there and do a ride along with with, with police officers. Um, all you do is contact the uh, contact the uh, the precinct and say, hey, I want to do a ride along. And I suggest that as well, you know, as, as citizens, you know, ride along, see what they go through as well. You know, so you can you can form, you know, a better a better opinion, a better perception of what law enforcement goes through as well. So I'm going to tell you, that's some crazy ass people out there. Man. God, I, I dealt with them, <laughs> you know, um, you know, a lot of them act up for no reason. It's just really because of, you know, some shit they probably been through with, with other police officers in the past um but yeah so so i do want to switch over to the military side so i seen a video with uh kiki palmer i don't know if y'all seen when she was talking to the uh captain about basically walk with us protest with us but us as servicemen we know we have a post you cannot leave your post at no Mm -hmm. at no this you know you talk to the wrong one (laughs) (laughs) you can't leave your post so in a situation in that way, what could you tell your soldiers? Because it, you you are a man of color. You you're black. So yes, you're black in the military. And you fighting for the injustice of what's going on, and you fighting for the country. You know, I I do believe I did join the military because yes, we do have our uh bad seeds. But to me, this is my land. This is where I was born. So this is my home. So I'm willing to defend my home. You get what I'm saying? Me personally, others might disagree. So what would you tell your soldiers? How could they, I don't even want to say protest, but how could they stand with the people in a situation like now? Man, that's a, that's, that's a good question, man. And I, I was definitely thinking about that uh, a couple of days ago. So, you know, of course, you know, um, I, I have soldiers currently activated right now in Houston, um, you know, for the, uh, you know, the civil dis- disturbances, man. I, and I think, uh, of course, I agree with the protests personally, right? Um, but, you know, as a, as, a, as a military member, you know, I'm called um, to do whatever my leadership asks me to do, you know, of course, within, you know, um, you know morals. Um, you know, in that case, you know, we're here, like you said, actually to, we're, we're here to protect property and life. Uh, you know, so I think I would, I would have the conversation with my soldiers about, you know, what's, what's, what we're here to do, you know, even though, Hey, we may not agree or, 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 or do agree with what's going on. You know, this is our, our solid mission. And if we enter, we run into interaction with the public, you know, uh, you know, we, we, we explain that. You know, like, hey, I understand your frustration. Uh, I'm just here to make sure you know nobody nobody burns down this this government building right, right here, this IRS building. I'm standing in front of, you know. Yeah, because it, it was a captain. He and it was very noble, and he took a knee. And I think that was like, and he was a white captain. I was like, that was something that I wouldn't have probably thought that that wouldn't have happened, especially with with high ranking high ranking. Uh, members, you know, it's like he took a knee. Was like, I can't leave. So what I am gonna do, I'm just take a knee, just for y'all. You know, I can't leave my post. And I was like, dang, that's 
you know, to be in leadership right now, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> it's a little sticky situation because you, you got your own morals and then you have your, your job that you have to do and you can't get around yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't see that video, man. I wish I would have saw it, but uh, yeah, I probably sent it to you. I sent it. Man, I, I seen a video yesterday. It, it it made me tear up. It was this um, it was a black, and he, I look like he was probably Coast Guard, uh, mm -hmm. but he was black dude, um, and he was like, you can see his lips moving, but he was saying Black Lives Matter. And like he was just like he like he was holding on his vest and shit. Like you could just tell like the nigga didn't want to be there, but he you know he holding his post down. You just hear him like just Black Lives Matter. Like you can see his lips moving and shit. And I was like, damn, like that shit is tough because now you just like you're torn between wanting to you know you know do something on that side of things, but you also have a job to tend to. And I and and I'll tell you this, I, I think from it from a long term perspective. Um, especially, you know, because we, we know sometimes we have a lot of those bad seeds that are in government and in leadership that are actually uh, controlling the country. But I mean, I, and I would hope this isn't the case, but could this necessarily be a long term? Um, and I would say like a long term setup for private militias or private martial law to take place if the cities can't get under control so let's say if this shit went AWOL and then you had a bunch of people burning down all the capitals on all the city at some point the government has to step in right so would this be a case I'm from I'm from Louisiana I was in New Orleans so I was there when they actually implemented martial law um on the city and everything so I, I've seen it firsthand um but at the same time is that oh are we as people that are rioting, and that's why I hate the fucking rioting shit, are they perpetuating seeds that can actually lead up to total lockdown? Man, uh, you know, of course, that's always a possibility, man. Uh, that's something that, of course, I would hate to see. Um, but that's 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 definitely a possibility. Um, I don't. I don't even think. I don't think we as Americans are even prepared for that. You know. I. I think. I. You know. I was. I was in Iraq during the time. You know. Um, you know. During Katrina, I, I think is what you're referring to. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, I couldn't even imagine. You know, seeing what you saw. You know, um, and having to go through that. Yeah. And, and, and now we're gonna talk about the fathers. How do you explain that to your kids? Because mine are two, one, and three. So you know my I got I got a little time to explain, but but yours that what's going on right now, that's in their history books. It's gonna be in their kids' history books and in, in their grandkids' history books. Mm -hmm. So how do you kind of explain what's going on with the situations of today? That's a question for me first or what? Yeah, 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 yeah. You 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 the OG. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I got a two year old. He he ain't dead. Yeah. <laughs> man, oh man. So you know, um, my kids, my kids are are you know the three the three oldest one. They out of the house now, man. Uh, so I got the two year old two now in the house. But you know, anytime these these conversations came up, when you know when my kids were teenagers or they they were younger, um, you know we'll sit we we'll we'll have, we'll have a conversation about it. Um, and you know, and they'll I want to first hear from them. You know, you know what are their thoughts on the situation. Um, and then I begin to explain, you know, my thoughts, um, you know, say, for example, when it comes, you know, me having, you know, former experience in law enforcement, I've taught my kids how to interact with law enforcement. I've went through, I, I've actually 
put my kids through scenarios where I had them get in my car and I walk up to the vehicle um, and approach them as a law enforcement officer um, just so I could teach them how to interact um, with the law enforcement and certain things that they're looking for, like your hands, right? You don't want to make sure you, you, know, you want to make sure your hands are in, in full, full sight at all times. Cause that's, you know, I want the, uh, there be an excuse where my, my daughter or my son, you know, reaches in the glove compartment for something and the officers think they're reaching to pull out a gun, you know, and things like that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's important to have, and it's unfortunate that we got to have these conversations first, uh, but we got to protect our children, you know, um, you know, so that's just something that I've done as a father, uh, for, for my kids, man, is just opening up that dialogue and, uh, you know, having them address it as well. Yeah. And, and before we get out of here, I got one more question for you. As law enforcement, as a father, how do we get to the next step of like bridging the gap of like, just, I don't, I, I want to say peace, but just understanding like how, like our youth, because you, you got two that just left the house. A lot of times I got a little sister. They not trying to hit it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, they, they got that. I know the world. So how do we bridge that gap between our youth and law enforcement? Like just ultimately, like, how I like we- that pals program though. That was, that yeah, was <laughs> I think that's, I think that's it, man. You know, we often see, you know, videos that come up, YouTube, World Star, or whatever, a, a police officer stopping and, you know, they, they might pull up on the street, shoot some ball with the kids, throw a football mm-hmm. or something. Uh, community policing is important. The problem is, is, you know, there's not a lot of money and resources out there uh, today that's, that's given to these uh, community policing programs. Uh, so that's, that's where the disconnect is, you know. So if, you, if you're a police officer, you're out on the street, you know, all you're doing is you're seeing, you're dealing with crime. You know, you're not, you're not seeing the humanity in, in, in people because you put, you know, you stopping people with warrants, uh, you know, you, you busting them for drug cases or whatever it may be. And then that's all you know. Um, but if you start those, com- those community policing policies throughout the city and not doing like I know here in Texas, they do like that one night out thing or whatever. Um, that's not enough you know, for, for the community to come, you know, have a, have a, some barbecue with you for one night out of the year. You know what I mean? Like, we need to see you throughout the year. We need to be publicly engaged with you. Um, I think that's the solution, ultimately, is community policing. Yeah, we, we definitely appreciate you being on here. Oh, yeah. Making like history, it. my brother. <laughs> yeah. Man, what I, what I get? Do I get a plaque? Hey, you know what? You get some Baron Beard, man. That's what we're going to send you. We're going to send you some Baron Beard, Razor Relief. We know you You know you got to shave because yeah. you're in the Army and everything. Yeah. But, you know, Razor Relief is actually going to help you with your razor bumps. Soothe anything is treated with tea tree oil. Um, so, you know, leave your skin feeling soft. and make right. sure. what, what, what you call it, Ken? The crunchies? <laughs> What? You call them? You called it something. You called them the cocoa pup. I don't know what you call it. Like when they got like the uh, the Army Razor Bumps. Mm-hmm. Oh, the star crunches. Star crunches. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, man, as, as a black soldier, man, you, we got to get a profile. Nine times out of ten, we got to get a profile. Right. That that, that that shows that already that you know we already got to get a piece of paper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, we definitely appreciate you, and I definitely want to let our listeners know to go follow him. Uh, and where where can they follow you at? 
Oh man, no man, I'm on uh I'm just on I'm on the book, of course, uh Tavares Drake, and then um I'm on uh on, on Instagram as T Drake Trades. Um so that's that's another story right there, you know, financial game. Um, yeah, most definitely. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna definitely we're gonna definitely bring you back on again because today was a heavy topic. I want to talk about that, but I know you are an entrepreneur. Yes, sir. And, uh, I definitely wanted the world to hear about that. And uh, before we get up out of here, like we said before, make sure y'all go follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. You know, anywhere you get your podcast, y'all can share, follow them, subscribe to us. Make sure, and y'all thought we 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 forgot that Baron Beard. Don't don't forget. Oh, no, no, no. What we going to do is we just going to roll. Let's roll a commercial. Roll it again. Roll it again. Let's just hear it. What's up? It's Ken. Is your beard dried out? Not growing in certain places? If you have unfilled gaps? Well, look, we have the perfect product to solve all your beard problems. Barren Beard. With two to three applications a day, your beard will grow and be flourishing in no time. I promise you, your woman will appreciate it. And if you don't have one, it won't be hard to find one. With ingredients like hemp oil, grapeseed oil, vitamins, and alchemy, not only will your beard be soft and shiny, but healthy as well. Five to ten drops per application, you will have the best beard around, guaranteed. Go get your essential oils today at www.barrenbeard.club and also follow on all social platforms at Baron Beard. Hurry up, it's never too late to save your beard. Y'all can go follow me at, on Instagram at KingKen at K-Y-N-G-K-E-N underscore and they can go follow my boy Bell. Follow me at Baron Beard on the gram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, mm, Pornhub. Nah, I'm joking with you. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and follow me on Bear Beard on all social platforms, man. Y'all be easy. Yeah. And make sure y'all go follow Dad Zombie on all platforms. That's at Dad Zombie. That's D-A-D-D-Z-O-M-B-I-E. Email us. That's at gmail.com. That's across the board. At Dad Zombie. And from your host, Ken, and my co-host. Bear with the beard. And our special guest, we up out of here. <laughs> Thought he's gonna have his own. <laughs> yeah, T Drake and his holding. <laughs> <laughs>